Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Back to Hell. If I was quicker on the beat, I would have hit you with a couple kick drum hits for those pauses mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on Back to Hell on As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And uh, this week on As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, we're going to talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, Back to Hell. Back to Hell. I was thinking about it while uh, before we started. And now mm-hmm. officially... <laughs> Ne- starting next week, uh, the, what you'll have lived in four different places in the time we've done this podcast. Yeah, I started to think about that too, and then I said, I don't want that number to be one, the one that it is, uh-huh. and I think that's the number that it is. Yeah, I, I like mentally was running through it, um, and I've lived in the same place the entire time. Uh, which is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, so this is technically, even though we are still not doing this in person, this is your last one in the third, fourth, fifth. No, no, no. Because no. you, you moved out of the first, the where you started better yet by the time we started this. Yeah. Anyway, last one you're recording in that place, which you've done several times over now. Last, yeah, last one I'm recording in, in this place. <laughs> In in Chicago, Illinois, mm-hmm. right off of Division, mm-hmm. as you are right off of Division. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, I'm much closer to Demon, as uh, Matt Skiba would put it. That's true. <laughs> well, I'm I'm closer to Homan, and of course there was that ah. uh, there was that demo, uh, Homan and Hobbleway. Yeah, <laughs> he was a big fan of Whipple. Um, that's maybe my favorite street <laughs> name in the city. Anyway. Dude, Whipple is fantastic. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, anyway, we are here to talk about a song that our Patreon supporters chose for us. And I'm very happy they chose this one. I'm happy that they chose this one, too. And I'm happy that they uh, chose to pledge to our Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were, because... They get a chance to vote on the songs that we talk about. They hear some bonus content. We got shit. Today is what? Thursday? Correct. Not when they're hearing we, this, but for us it is. Yeah. Well, we post episodes on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty funny that there's a band called Thursday and there's a band called Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we like to talk about... Uh, different things for the uh patreon just for audio content that just goes over to our our loyals and um yeah you know offshoot alkaline trio bands yeah maybe thing to talk about either way um that will be coming up quite soon quite soon if i mean hypothetically hypothetically but i mean i seen back to hell on that poll and i was like like 
Obviously. Well, so that's where I wanted to start because I've always really liked this song and mm-hmm. I've never known if I am in if that is like a consensus feeling or if I'm in the minority of thinking Back to Hell is a great song. Mm-hmm. Be, just because I feel Crimson divides people to such a degree. Yeah, but I think Back to Hell is just one of those ones that kind of sneaks up on you mm-hmm. in terms of uh, how much you'll, you'll like it because there's only so much room at the top and that top is pretty stacked. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we I feel like we've had a nice little run lately of um, talking about songs like Steamer Trunk and Bloodied Up and steamer trunk mm-hmm. these these types of songs that like yeah they're they come a little bit later in the record you don't think about them first yes but when you hear it on the record you're like fuck yeah when you see them live i bet you this song goes over so big live which is funny because I can only really remember them playing this at the past live show because I always felt, oh, this is kind of like the punk song on Crimson, you know, in, mm-hmm. in, in most reductive terms. Um, and I was kind of shocked that I feel like this song never really got played because yeah. it also leans into what I think is a great live dynamic for them which is that both matt and dan sing in the chorus and like Mm -hmm. any band with two singers that tends to excite a live crowd people kind of faction which side they sing on right Uh, right yeah yeah and very good point i think this song lends itself to that and they don't really you know this kind of comes out of them not doing that for a little while um and it's kind of one of the last times they really did i think up until is this thing cursed yeah so yeah it's it's interesting yeah yeah and and crimson kind of was um intentional in having dan and matt sing on songs together um i remember when that that record came out it's one of those things that they were talking about a lot and you hear that and you say, oh, wait, no, that's not. But then turns out, yeah, mm-hmm. they're separate. Um, you know, you get like good backing vocal performances and shit, but having them trade off, super fun. And I think one of the one of the smarter things that they did on Crimson, because they really like, this is a record that was like ambitious, but it was also, I think, pretty deliberate in saying like, we're doing this thing differently yeah and unlike a lot of the songs on that record where when it came out there was like a double disc cd version the second cd being all like demos of the songs Uh like man dance home demos this is one where i would actually say if you've not heard the demo version of it i actually think it's kind of worth listening to because yes this is kind of a straight ahead punk song it's definitely like probably the fastest song on the record um, Derek is playing in such a like throbbing kind of way where it almost feels like he's a drum machine. Like everything's very staccato and heavy and downbeat centric. Mm-hmm. And when you listen to the demo and that's what Matt programmed in where it's essentially that same beat, but just like a very throbbing thudding sound. 
it's like, oh, that's them taking what is Matt's very clear, like, industrial goth rock influence and actually putting it in this band without it feeling weird. Uh-huh. Um, and that's not something I really thought about until I, like, AB'd those today. And I was like, oh, like, I definitely think when you hear it, it's not just like, oh, he's using, like, garage band drums like he is on the other tracks. Like, this one's the, – the drums on the demo are very – pronounced and i think that's deliberate mm-hmm. and i feel like this song the drums are very pronounced even though derek is basically playing a pretty straight beat yeah but derek is like throwing a lot of shit in there mm-hmm. and um see i like being able to talk to drummers sometimes because i think you y'all do a really good job of like pointing out the things that I'm hearing, but I'm not like thinking about mm-hmm. like, oh, that is the cymbal hits are are staccato. Like, especially when he's like, like his ver- his playing in the verses is so fun. Yes. And, like the the shit he's doing with the hi hats. But those are very like clipped sounds. They're yep. not ringing a lot. And it, I pulled up a live video because I wanted to see how they performed it live. And there was a video from, I think, them playing in Philly on the past live tour. And he does this really pronounced kind of, you know, staccato hit because he's trying mm-hmm. to recreate that like kind of like tss sound that you really get mm-hmm. from like 808s and like drum machines. Totally. Yeah. But yeah, he's yeah. doing it in a way that still feels really natural. It's like the most mechanical his playing's ever been, but it's still very human. And obviously there's the huge fill at the end that really kind of, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. works super well. But it's really a great way to show like how he's taking what in most drummers would still be very simple and he's making it incredibly complex but you don't hear mm-hmm. it unless you're really focused in on it and i think that's mm-hmm. uh it's a pretty difficult thing to do so like the i guess those like pieces of flair that he's adding in there are those following like matt what Matt lays down precisely, or does he just have the beat like, you know? I mean, it's pretty close. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's not a one to one. Obviously, it is just a demo, and it is just kind of that like throbbing drum beat the whole way through. But mm-hmm. it is the most that I feel like Matt was taking, especially in this time period, given that like on the one man army split, like that precedes it by a year. He's singing about mm-hmm. like you know. Uh, my head's pounding like a big black song. I feel like yeah. this was him kind of trying uh-huh. to do that. Um, Very nice. Yeah. Because it never really clicked into me until I listened to that. And then I watched them playing it live. And I was like, you know, I think this was him trying to do that. Best in the biz. That's why they call him best in the biz, David Anthony. Correct. Uh, and I think... To extend that out, let's talk about what Matt's doing. Fucking please do. (laughs) Because he's got a big Skiba riff up top, but it's Uh pretty bare in those verses. It's really drums and Dan. And I think that allows him to really turn in a pretty great vocal performance because he's unburdened by having to fall in time with himself. Uh Aha. Aha. See... Here's the thing. Since I taught you everything you know. Uh, yes. This is this is the moment where I say, like, is this a good vocal performance? 
because I actually noted that I thought it was like pretty weak. Mm. I thought that the verse, I thought that the delivery in the verses was like, I don't know. It was just like lacking. Really? And yeah. And as you were talking about like the drum machine patterns, um, I guess what started to like roll in my head is the fact that Matt's maybe singing more to the demo than he is to Derek's actual playing. Because I think Derek, even though it is like, you know, sharp in following those patterns, I'm, I can't like hear this without picturing him doing like just the biggest loops Mm -hmm. and making the biggest fucking show Mm -hmm. out of playing the hi-hat the way that he does. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, that might sound a little silly, but I think when you visualize it in that sense, it really does like make a difference in the way that you hear it. Yeah. And and I think that Matt's verses are a little bit more low down. Mm-hmm. And because, like, what was the first thing that I said when I when we started? I bet you this song goes over really big live. Yes. So I think that there's, um, yeah, this is, a, this is a funny little spot that we find ourselves well, in. We don't disagree on much. True. Um, and I guess I, I definitely see where you're coming through, but the reason I like his verse performance, honestly, I think the chorus is strong, but I, mm-hmm. it does, his part isn't what grabs me in it. It's very much Dan's vocals that I think yeah. put it over. Mm-hmm. What I like about it is because I think there's a really, um, I, I think that's what I meant when I said like he's taking those influences and putting them into his band as opposed to mm-hmm. just trying to recreate whoever he's influenced by. Because I like that he's a little more pulled back and letting that, you know, kind of propulsive part of, you know, Derek and Dan carry it. Because I think Mm -hmm. the default on stuff that's like that, that's a little more jagged, is to do that really, like, off-kiltery kind of aggro or, like, full-on screaming approach that you hear in a lot of that, like, Chicago noise Mm -hmm. or industrial stuff. Sure. Um, I And I also feel like... I would love to hear a take of it where he actually does that because I think it would yeah. not be weird. I think it would fit. And there's really no spots on this record where he's doing uh-huh. that. Right. Um, so I can see the argument that it feels like he's not bringing what the song needs, but I almost like the subversion of the expectation for me. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. 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 Just because I think it, it it's always made the verses stick out. When I think of this song, I think of the verses uh, melodically before I think of the chorus, which is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does have a really nice, like, it carries the melody very well mm-hmm. in the verses. And I do like that it is like, I don't know. I, I, I like that idea that it's subversive with purpose because i mean dude fucking played uh his guitar with a a metal pick and a and had a drum machine and it's his backing band Mm -hmm. uh little little subversive uh and maybe a little like 
participatory on Matt's part. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, no. But um, I'd also like. I think I'd be interested to hear what this sounds like with the verses, uh, with the vocals mixed a little bit higher because yeah. they do feel low. Yeah, they are pulled and, back for sure. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, like, what sort of difference that would make because, yeah, I think that. To me, he feels just like he's a little bit like behind on the beat when he's delivering. So I wonder if that is maybe like a result of being buried. Maybe. I mean, it does sound like pretty low. It's interesting. And I guess maybe that's why when I say like Dan's vocals pop to me in the chorus, I think it's because he really feels like it's like pushing out when he comes in, you know? Yeah. And I don't think he's necessarily mixed louder, but it does feel like it's like, boom, here he is. You know, it really... I think because the song kind of gets you into one space and carries it for so long, mm-hmm. when you get that taste of something different, it's like, oh, you know, it's just really, uh, yeah. it really just catches the air in a different way. And I think it's what makes all the slight, subtle changes that they do uh, really interesting. Because uh, Derek, for most of it, aside from the big stop before that last course, is just being a very, like, compelling metronome you know i know um, yeah which they don't ever Hon- really do yeah 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 i honestly i think this is one of my favorite Derek performances like i'd probably put this in the top three i mean it's up there for sure i think it's end to end one of the best of his i think there are a lot of moments throughout the career where i would say like this transition or this part or this or whatever um, but I think just in terms of like pure skill and, and, and to pull this off to like really draw the thing out. Cause like I've talked about it before, like I'm not big into the school of punk of like the kind of like California skate punk stuff of like, you know, nineties bad religion records onward or no effects or right. anyway, where right. it's that very like rigid kind of on a grid fast drum beat. And I mm-hmm. feel like he has to do so much to not make this song feel that way while still kind of feeling that way, that Mm -hmm. it just really sits in a place where I'm like, I could see this just being read as like, Oh, that's the punk song on crimson by some people. Yeah. But I do think he's doing things that really separate it from falling into that kind of like, you know, uh, as we used to call it the forbidden beat of, uh, no effects and bad religion. Right, right, right. (laughs) <laughs> doodle bap i believe mm-hmm. is the term that uh brandon kelly over over on road to the skeleton coast uh uses that often another another one of you that i'm carrying mm-hmm. um <laughs> i yeah i like I, the way dan's vocal comes in too it's it's like also such a great hook yes and I, it's interesting, like the you know talking about the way his comes in, and it feels so large, and it is totally just like a he's such a bass heavy vocalist in comparison to Matt, who, especially at this time, is like fried mm-hmm. and so he's so like midi, mm-hmm. um, but I think that, um. I think that the song is like very close to hitting an extremely high mark. Yes. For this record. Mm-hmm. 
And I think it's just, it just misses it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm inclined to agree there where I like it a pretty fair deal. There is something that keeps it from being in that upper echelon of Alkaline Trio songs and especially like even upper echelon of Crimson songs. I mean, Mm -hmm. on a record where they are really trying a lot and I think succeeding a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, this one does feel kind of, you know, I've obviously laid out why I think it's, it's actually more adventurous than it may look, but really it's, it's about as safe as they play on that record, you know? And Mm -hmm. I wonder how much of that is like, all right, we've got the big octaves. We've got the octaves that lead into the bridge, which is a very like signature thing. We've got the trading off vocals. It's called the back to hell. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there, this is really (laughs) checking some boxes more than I think the rest of the record is. Yeah. It, It just feels like it's weird how it like feels like it's, an afterthought even though it's not it's not super late in the track listing um but i don't know i feel like honestly i think that the fills going into the chorus are just like by far the best part Mm -hmm. and i'm not talking about the the breaks yeah i'm talking about Derek's just actual fills um and Especially just, like, he doesn't really, like, throw down at first. Like, the first one is just, like, a couple hits on the kick drum. Mm. But then at the the last one, it's just, like, so huge and so enormous. And then when Matt comes in, it's like, fuck, yeah. Um, but then, like, looking back, he repeats, like, all the verses. He, I don't know. It just, like, feels like more could have been put into taking it higher and the fact that it misses but then misses for like reasons that you can kind of identify as being somewhat lazy it's like that really takes it down a peg Mm -hmm. um well it's you know what i mean i do and to that point it's like it's a song where i've always felt like this song could be a minute and a half and achieve a lot of the same things or they could have added another minute and a half mm-hmm. and maybe gotten it up a hill a little more. Um, because I think when you're do when you're looking at compositionally drum parts, e- even mass guitar parts, the way they're building the vocal melodies, some of the evolutions they're doing, which come mm-hmm. very quickly at the end of each verse into the chorus at the end of each chorus, you kind of want more time for those to feel a little more, earned um yeah because like that last huge fill that leads in the last chorus is so great and i like the bridge but it feels like it's very rushed feels like the bridge Mm -hmm. needed to last a little longer need to maybe break down a bit and come back in now i don't know if that's antithetical to the goal of having it be a very rigid on the rail song it's hard to do that and maintain the intent yeah. But it's one of those where it's just like, I feel like this song, the way it is, I enjoy. I'm curious about every other iteration of it more than I am most tracks of theirs. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like they probably played around with it a fair bit to get it where it ended up. Yeah. 
yeah, it's interesting because there there are like, you know, I have like tons and tons of like Kinks demos and and Wilco demos because they like completely transform the songs and like different parts or mm. you know and you get a complete you know the the end result can change completely but it's still the same structure it's just like messing with the dynamics mm-hmm. and this is one where it's you know we have a little bit of that through the demo and it would be like this is a song that seven versions of it would be totally interesting and seven versions of like you know, nose over tail would probably just be seven takes of nose over tail. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or even like time to waste, you know, like yeah. there are songs that need to fall the way they fall for mm-hmm. very obvious reasons. And there are ones that somehow like, you know, you've been in bands, I've been in bands, anyone who been has been in a band knows that like at a certain point you just kind of settle on the one when you could mm-hmm. do it three or four or five or six different ways. Um, yeah, totally. And I'm not the biggest like demo guy generally like i don't i i like listening to them once but rarely do i revisit they're often just illuminating especially because a lot of times what you said it's just alternate takes which i'm like okay well you know mm-hmm. we'll see rarely does it use usurp what i like but this is one where it's just like i want to know what it was like when they were playing it really fast i want to know if there's a take where matt's going harder in the vocals i want to know if there's a take where he's embracing that kind of like big black thing and putting really kind of like scronky feedback stuff underneath the verses where he's singing i want to you know like Mm. what are the iterations of this um totally because i'm sure they at one point existed maybe not exist now um Mm -hmm. but we'll never know yeah and and it, I think that like it speaks to that that you you've described it a lot in terms of like fat wreck epitaph punk and I think that I've always seen this as a song that like builds to having a payoff similarly to Sadie mm-hmm. only it's just like overdriven yeah. it's you know but the reason that that build in that payoff in Sadie is so big is because it takes its time to get there. And there's, yeah, I mean, there's a, I would have loved for this to be a winding road that gets us just back to that. Film. Well, I mean, Sadie's a great song where it's got, I, I think the big difference is like, they both have really strong choruses that just function in different ways where mm-hmm. Sadie's chorus is long, you know, it's not really mm-hmm. doing a lot of repeating vocally. Whereas this, you've run out of the lyrics in like 20 seconds. And I think lingering on the chorus is the wrong decision. And I'm sure they were aware of that as well. And then it's like, proportionally is this 85% everything else to 15% chorus. Whereas Sadie is a little bit more, probably 60, 40, 65, 35. um, Mm -hmm. Because there is a long bridge there. The verses take some time. There's instrumental things. And, I think one of the strengths of this band that I think after this record really starts to get lost are those moments in songs like Sadie, Time to Waste, like I think The End of Burn is another good example, where they're willing mm-hmm. to let the music just ride for a while. Um, yeah. You know, they're not going to just try and find a way to put lyrics on top of everything. They're going to like sit with the moment. And they did that early on. You know, that's all over the first couple LPs. Mm-hmm. Um 
And this is kind of the last record where I really think they're comfortable with that mode. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it would have been... They're punks. And it would have been nice for someone to just be like, dude, just like vibe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What do you rate it? I give this one a three and a half. I give it a four. Um, I just... I like it too much. Um... (sighs) To, to low rate it, but I I feel like we're in a similar boat where I kind of want it to be more. That's the thing is like four. I was lingering on for a minute because I was like I, I do like this song a fair deal, but then you know as we talked about and thinking about like would this be my top five songs on Crimson? I don't know, you know. Yeah. And 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 that is a strong LP, so that's not the perfect measure, but like. I think because it's it's one I really enjoy, and and like you said, like comparing it to, to Steamer Trunk and Blade Up and Trucks and Trains and Steamer Trunk, Steamer Trunk, <laughs> um, it's kind of one of those where like I think it's one of those that depending on the day it could catch me really differently. Like tomorrow or in a week, I might like it as a four and really vibe on it. Mm-hmm. But today I'm just a little more like I I just have a lot of questions about it that I will never ask them because I don't think the answers will be fulfilling. Um, this is our podcast. It's called As You Were a Podcast about Alkaline Trio. Uh, we started it in Chicago and I am, uh, on my way out. I'm going over to Hoosier land. My home which is, state. God, I, I can't believe this. Um, you're going to have to, you bought my, a house there. <laughs> I, uh, worked myself into a shoot. Um, but uh david has um been one of uh my my finest friends in this city um i don't make a lot of friends and i think most of the most of the ones that i that i uh came in with are the ones that i that i kept around i didn't i didn't add too many to the pile mm-hmm. so um I love you. Love you too, bud. I uh I love doing this every week and it's been a big huge part of my life and I uh I'm just a little sentimental. Yeah, I mean I'm looking at you in what used to be an office and now is just a place for cardboard, so I, it it couldn't it couldn't end in a different room. Are you kidding me? But hey, next week I'll be coming. For, I'll be coming to you from a different room, and uh, you know what? There's changes, but there are things that remain the same. And this will always be the greatest song by song uh, podcast in existence. And ain't nothing's gonna stop that. And the song remains the same. So there's that too. Subscribe to our podcast on your podcast player of choice. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. I gave you that spiel up top. I won't give it to you again, even though I usually give it right here. We're going to be back next week. We're going to be talking about another Alkaline Trio song. It's probably going to be the fucking best episode that we've ever done because every episode that we've done is the best episode we've ever done because we're the goddamn best. We'll see you then. Thank you, friends. Send us back to hell.